0: The Washington Nationals, they have an intriguing offseason. They have a lot of different things to do. But in my opinion, I think the number one priority at this moment should be extending C.J. Abrams. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clare. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. While you're at it, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Nationals, including on YouTube. Make sure to hit that subscriber button there. Later on in today's show... We're kind of getting a little update on free agency as some of the starting pitchers that the Nationals may have been after have actually already signed and in some cases so are going to some of our rivals here. So we're going to kind of discuss that and who's really left over for the Nationals to get to, but also kind of get into some of the two most intriguing prospects in the Nationals farm system. Not the best, not the most talented, but the two guys who are really intriguing in my mind. There's a lot of different things to talk about when it comes to Travis Zecora and as well as Dalen Lyle. We're going to discuss those two guys and really kind of get into their ceilings as well as their floors and what could be happening over the next calendar year with those two guys. But let's start off with discussing C.J. Abrams and why the Nationals should lock him up. But before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, visit mandule.com slash locked on to get started. So let's get started here with CJ Abrams. And listen, the Nationals, they have a lot of needs this offseason. And some people may think that it's crazy to even go out on this kind of olive branch at this moment and say, Why would you extend CJ Abrams? Why is it now? Why is it not until he really proves himself? Well, I think the proving himself kind of conversation here, that could go two different sides in my opinion. Because C.J. Abrams, while the numbers, they may not be all that great. But considering this, a 22-year-old first-round pick, a top 10 pick, someone who was a very talented prospect with the San Diego Padres, came here to Washington, D.C. and was one of the marquee signings or one of the marquee prospects of that massive trade package when we sit over Josh Bell and Juan Soto. In my opinion, with this Nationals team and where we are right now, I don't necessarily see us going out there at this moment and really spending big and getting that Jason Worth kind of signing at this moment in time. Could they do it next offseason? Definitely. But I don't think it's going to be right here and right now. But as far as that goes, I think the Nationals, it would be beneficial to actually try to kick the tires on extending someone like C.J. Abrams. And the reason why that is, we talk about these teams all the damn time. The teams like the Braves, who locked up Ozzy Albies after year one. They did it the same with Ronald Acuna. The San Diego Padres did this Fernando Tatis. Everyone in baseball always looks at those deals and say, why did that player sign that contract? Why would they do that? And maybe in C.J. Abrams' case, I don't know if the Nationals have been discussing this or not. No one really knows at this moment in time. We haven't heard anything about it. But I also think C.J. Abrams, and really kind of where his numbers lie at this moment in time, you would have to think that he would consider signing extension here in D.C. Now, what are the Nationals going to have to prove? Are they're going to have to go out there and try to spend on someone else and really kind of say, hey, we want to build a contender here and we want you to be a main part of it. That could be a part of this case right here and right now. But as far as C.J. Abrams goes, he does have something to win in this case because a lot of the times the teams are really the ones who win these long-term deals. Look at the Braves with Acuna, the Padres with Fernando Tatis, all the different scenarios out there. Teams have done this, and most of the time the teams win this deal. That's not the case every single time, but still, you get the gist of it. Now with C.J. Abrams, Because, again, it kind of goes back to our conversation here. There's really no one pressing for C.J. Abrams' job at this moment in time. C.J. Abrams is going to be the starting shortstop here for at least the next few years. At least. No one's going to be kind of coming up in the minors, at least at this moment in time. No one's going to be coming up in the minor leagues who's really going to be pressing to take that job. And plus, just kind of getting into the baseball side of this now rather than the business side. C.J. Abrams and the jumps that he has made over the course of his last two seasons, it may not seem all that much on paper. But considering this, in 2022, he had a 324 slug when he was 21 years old. And as a 22 year old in 2023, he had a 412 slug. You're already starting to see minimal growth in that aspect of it. Also, a huge stepping stone in C.J. Abrams' development was when we all know in the middle of the summer, he got put in that leadoff spot. And ever since then, that's when he kind of just blossomed. That's when you saw the product of what C.J. Abrams could be down the line. And I think if the Nationals, if they really wanted to go this route and if they were trying to convince themselves as to why they should extend C.J. Abrams, you can talk about the numbers. You can talk about all the different things he has done over at shortstop, but also take a look at this guy's ceiling. Because not many people really expected this home run hitting shortstop with CJ Abrams kind of a lanky guy not all too big but still 18 home runs over the course of this season only 118 strikeouts walking 32 different times this season having a 412 slug in 2023 you see the growth already after only hitting two home runs back in 2022 and again this is not going to be something that I think a lot of people should be expecting down the line but also If you were to get 20, 25 home runs from your leadoff hitter, right then and there, that is something that's already in good place. Every bit of metric that you look at when it comes to C.J. Abrams, he took a step up in 2023. And if you truly believed in your development department the way that I think the Nationals do believe in it, then I think the Nets, they'd probably be smart to get on this right here and right now. Because this is kind of the old saying that everyone else says. Everyone says all the damn time you learn from your mistakes back with the past with Trey Turner. You kind of already saw the prospect that he was. You saw what was coming down the line. We all believed in Trey Turner. Maybe even the numbers, if they weren't all the way there, you still saw the potential that he has. I see the same potential as we did with Trey Turner back in the day to lock CJ Abrams up right here. And right now it wouldn't just be about winning down the line. It's just the smart organizational decision. Because the Nationals, they kind of went out of their comfort zone last year with Keybert Ruiz. They gave him a nice little extension, which was very team-friendly, by the way. If the Nats were to go this route again, and if they were to pick a player at this moment, it's not Mackenzie Gore, it's not Josiah Gray, it's C.J. Abrams. And maybe they do kind of go down that pecking list order here. Maybe they do try to go after Mackenzie Gore, even though that'll never happen, considering he's a Scott Boris client. Maybe they go Josiah Gray. Maybe they go, I don't know, name that prospect. Name someone who's up in the majors that they could actually extend. Who knows at this moment in time? But as far as the guys that are on this roster that are going to be competing for everyday spots, the guys that are going to be on this team and hopefully building this back into a contender, that's where I would look at. And building around a shortstop also just kind of knocks that domino down. And that's one of the more important positions to fill out in this rebuild. You have someone that you can trust. All the different tools that he possesses. The contact rate. The the efficiency at the plate. Stealing all the bases in the world. Again, if he's going to be the way that he was this year, he's definitely going to steal 60 bases come 2024. And this is just something that we're just getting started with. With C.J. Abrams. Because again, 22 years old for the entirety of this season. Now jumping into age 23 season in 2024, what's the next step that he could be taking? Well, based on what he improved from 2022 to 2023, if you were to have that same clip of improvement and all those different numbers of slugging numbers, the on-base percentage, all the different numbers that you want to look at, if you consider all those things, little tiny jumps, if he just makes another one in 2024, then the Nationals... They're kind of going to lose their leverage at this point. And the Nationals would be smart to actually move on from this and hopefully, just hopefully, try and extend C.J. Abrams because that is what smart baseball teams do. As far as like what a contract would look like for C.J. Abrams, I don't really know what this could look like, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of different things that would have to happen. You're going to be paying him for what he will be doing, not for what he is doing. So you have to take that in consideration here. But as what I would give him, is he going to accept this? I don't know at this point, but maybe like seven years, 80 and a half million dollars in total, 11.5 AAV over the next seven seasons. It could be something similar to that. It could be something that's maybe a little bit more lofty, in which, again, I'm all ears for. it. Because at the end of the day, kind of going back and reiterating this point, you're paying him for what he's going to do. And if you believe in your player development staff, if you believe in the prospect of C.J. Abrams, then that is the smart business decision to do right here and right now. Because you're not really going to be spending all too much money on free agency. You're not going to be spending and having all this money tied up for the next future years. Right now, you're going to be off the hook of Patrick Corbin after this season. That's going to be a huge break for this Nationals' ownership. And then Steven Strasberg and the situation with that he has right now, who knows what's going to happen there in that front and how much money we're going to know at the end of this thing. But CJ Abrams, that is the kind of piece that the Nationals should be going for this offseason. If you're not going to assign a Reese Hoskins, if you're not going to assign a Sonny Gray, go out there, extend your own, kind of. To show the fan base, show the players, show everyone in that organization that we are for real again, and that you want to show that we will put a winning prospect back on this field and kind of get this rebuild, get going again, even though that made no sense. Whatever. You get the point of it. Extend CJ Abrams this offseason. That is the smart decision that the Nationals should be looking at this offseason. And thank you guys for making Locked On that's your first listen every single day as we are free. And available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, catch us over on Twitter at LO underscore nationals. And make sure to subscribe over on YouTube. Just search locked on nationals there. And before we kind of get into two of the most intriguing prospects, let me tell you guys again about our friends over at FanDuel and score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, Player props, over-unders, and more like tonight with Monday Night Football. You got the Vikings and the Bears. You know I'm gonna roll with the past or not and the Vikings and hit them on the money line. So visit fanDuel.com slash locked on and do that and kick off the NFL season as long as we do here. FanDuel.com slash locked on and fanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Now we get back into it as The Nationals, they're in this rebuild. They got a lot of different things to work on this offseason. But I do kind of want to highlight these two prospects here. Travis Sikora and Daylon Lyle. Let's start off with Travis Sikora because in my opinion, this was kind of something that I wanted to see the Nationals do forever. Spend big, kind of go in on these prospects, go in on the top needs in your draft. The Nationals, they did that this year. They took... Three guys in their first three rounds that I truly believe are first round kind of talents. You could have made the decision of drafting Travis Cora, not where the Nationals were at number two overall, but you definitely could have made the decision to take Travis Cora in the mid 20s or late 30s, thir- whatever it is in round one, Travis Sakura could have slotted right in there. He fell the Nationals in round three. They signed him to a big slot bonus there, basically for a first round draft pick value as long as getting... Johanny Morales in round number two as well. Travis Sakura is one of the most intriguing pitching prospects, in my opinion, probably in the NL East as far as prospects goes. Because his stuff is legit. And through the high school circuits, this is someone who has flashed 100 mile prior fastballs, even hit 101, I believe at times, at the only at a young age of 18, 19 years old. You've seen a lot of different things that you can already say. This guy's got a lot of different things that others don't around Major League Baseball. But what makes him very intriguing is that his best pitch is a splitter as a 19-year-old. Someone who is 19 years old and who who can perfect a splitter the way that Travis Sakura has been touted to be, that is something right then and there that is a green flag. He is giving me all the reasons to believe in Travis Sakura, the prospect. Now, here's the thing that may kind of get lost in this. As a three pitch guy, which Travis Sakura is at this moment in time, he's got a heavy hitting fastball. He's got his heavy hitting splitter. He's also got a solid slider to go with it at this moment. I'm sure this is something that he's going to improve on. He's probably going to add a fourth pitch because this year he did not appear in any rookie ball games or anything like that. I'm sure he probably pitched down in the backfields of West Palm Beach. But Travis Sakura going into 2024. This is going to be someone who I think a lot of people should be kind of have on their radar. They should really be expecting a decent amount from this kid going forward. Again, 19 years old, a third round pick of this last year's draft, signed above slot. This is going to be someone, in my opinion, who could kind of be that breakout prospect out of nowhere. This could kind of be your Lucas Giolito again of 2014. A guy like that who you could potentially CB some big time prospect someday? Is he going to be some massive top five overall prospect in baseball? Who knows at this moment in time? But with all that said, the Nationals, they gave him a lot of money for a reason. They truly do believe in the prospect of Travis Sikora and what he could bring. And also on the flip side of it, being six foot six, having a fastball reach triple digits. Well, the Nationals in the past and guys that they have drafted along with those frames, You go back to 2009 with Steven Strasburg, that's the obvious no-brainer number one overall pick there, as well as Lucas Giolito back in 2014 around that area. The Nationals, they have kind of had success with profiles like Travis Socorro. So I think going into 2024, I'm not really expecting to have a 2-1 ERA and pitch 100 innings pitch and have 130 strikeouts in those innings. I'm not really expecting that kind of production for someone who's only 19 years old turning 20 sometime this summer. But I also don't think it's crazy to think that Travis Sikora could be this big-time impact prospect because that is kind of what the Nationals are touting him to be. They're not going out and talking to the Washington Post saying, this guy's going to be legit. But you can tell by their actions. They gave him a lot of money in that third round and really kind of said, we'll punt on the rest of the rounds. We're going to get our big three guys here with Travis Sikora. Johanny Morales, and as well as Dylan Cruz at number two overall. And now you have these two guys here, which Travis Sakura, you never know with them because the Nationals, let's face it, we have had big big time pitching prospects in the past. Have they all worked out for us? Not necessarily. But also, I think Travis Sakura is a little bit different here. This is kind of a move that the Baltimore Orioles have been doing for years past. Teams like the Rays have been doing in years past, spending big, early on in the draft to get guys to sign and really just manufacturing your own luck that's what this is that's what the Travis Sikora move was in this year's draft this is someone who again could have easily been a back half first round pick or have gone to college at the University of Texas and come back and would have been a first round pick maybe even a top draft prospect in a few years but the Nationals they got him in round three for a relatively good deal and again the prospect of Sakura and what he could bring to the table, his ceiling is very high. It is very high. Is it the likes of Cade Kabali? I'd put him up in that conversation, but we'll just have to see how this one goes for the Nationals. And not even to mention, Daylon Lyle, second round pick out of 2021. Kentucky, high school Gatorade player of the year back in that year as well. He was drafted in the second round alongside Brady House, who was the first-round pick of that year's draft. Dalen Lyle, while again in 2021 in rookie ball, wasn't all too impressive. Only played in 19 games. Kind of tough to really tell what he would be down at that point in time. Had Tommy John surgery. Missed 2022. Came back in 2023. Ripped the cover off the baseball. Killing the ball down in Fredericksburg. Getting bumped up to high A Wilmington. And he was kind of one of the quickest risers of that draft class. He was kind of someone that the Nationals, he was a long term project. Well, at this moment, this project seems to be panning out relatively well, considering all things with Dale Mile appearing in 106 games this year across both low A Fredericksburg and high A Wilmington. He slashed 269 batting average wise, had a 355 OBP and a 452 slug that was an 807 OPS. Also adding nine home runs, 66 RBIs. And he also stole a few bases, having 23 stolen bases across those 106 games. Daylon Lyle, and we've talked about him a lot. We're going to talk about him a lot. So let's get used to it at this moment. Daylon Lyle, he kind of adds to this list of this deep profile as long as Nationals prospects goes. The outfielding prospects at this moment, that is kind of where the Nationals are rich. They've got a ton of different talent as far as mid-round draft picks goes, as far as late-round draft picks go. They have found ways to hit in the draft when it comes to outfielding prospects. Now, with this scenario here, this is one of those to where it's not really a gotta-have-it kind of draft pick. It would be nice to see Dalen Wilde develop, which at this moment in time, you can't help but think this guy is going to develop. He has shown us a lot of different things. And again, he did kind of fall off when he went to high A in Wilmington. But we all know this about high A in Wilmington in particular. That home ballpark, it is not a hitting-friendly ballpark. It is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. There's not a lot of power for what, whatever reason it is there. The dimensions are all fouled up there. The wins, whatever it is at Wilmington, teams just don't really hit. Prospects just don't necessarily hit for power there either, unless you're Brady House and unless you're James Wood those two guys ripped the cover off the baseball down there. But as far as Dalen Lyle goes, he doesn't have the talent of a James Wood nor a Brady House or even Elijah Green at this moment. But what he has shown over the course of 106 games and even dating back to rookie ball is that he is and could be a special talent for this Nationals team. Again, pretty a nice lefty swing there. He's right-handed in the outfield. He can play center, right, or left down in the big leagues. Someone that you can kind of move around in multiple different situations and also kind of have that speed and power tool as well that is so coveted in Major League Baseball today. He fits that profile of, again, intriguing prospects, and now it's just about what the player development side can do with it. Because Dijon Watson, he was the one overseeing this operation over the last few years. You can credit him with Dalen Lyle because Dalen Lyle is definitely a success story as we sit here today. But with Brad Sciola coming into town and Danny Haas, this is going to run with them now and see what they can do. Because in my opinion, Dalen Lyle is kind of starting to turn into the Nationals prospect that you're really going to have to hone in on. And maybe going into 2024, this is someone you could maybe see start at double A Harrisburg. You could see him get a little stint at high A Wilmington, see what he can do there after, you know, having some struggles considering to say the least there in high A. But if he were to start in double A, I think the Nationals would be on track for him to maybe sometime be in the major leagues by 2025, or who knows? If he kills the cover off the baseball, if he rips it, whatever you want to say, whatever analogy you want to go out there with, if he plays well, maybe we're talking about a cup of coffee in the major leagues this time next year. Maybe we are, maybe we won't. We'll just have to see. But those are my two intriguing prospects for this Nationals team. And there's a lot to think about with those two guys considering where the Nationals are at this moment in time in their rebuild. Thank you all for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So let's kind of catch you up on free agency here as a lot of dominoes have been falling but none in the Nationals' favor. We'll discuss that after this. And thank you all for making Locked on Nets your first listen. Every single day As we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, let's get into some free agency talk. As we talked a lot about Lucas Giolito and Reese Hoskins, both those guys were named unsigned at this moment in time. But there are also some dominoes in, some guys in that basket who the Nationals could have been after, they could have and should have probably been after, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, and Sonny Gray. All three of those guys have signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. It's reported at this moment in time when I'm recorded that Sonny Gray is expected to sign with the St. Louis Cardinals. That is from John Heyman from New York Post, whatever you want to credit him for. What am I really expecting here? Am I expecting the Sunny Grays of the world? Not really. Am I expecting Kyle Gibson or Lance Lynn? Not necessarily, but I would have been in those kind of tiers. And you want to have guys like Kyle Gibson, which a lot of players in Baltimore have talked about. You want someone with a veteran mindset like a Kyle Gibson. He may not put up all the numbers out there. He may not be some stud who's going to be putting up major numbers, but still. His role in the clubhouse, that is what people talk about. When it comes to a young pitching staff, you need someone like Kyle Gibson or even a Lance Lynn to kind of settle down. Know their role. You have a lot of different young guys in which the Nationals, as far as pitching goes, you have Mackenzie Gore. We kind of saw him have his little blowups every now and then with the Nationals this offseason. You saw Josiah Gray at one point this year kind of getting in Jacob Young's – or not getting in his face – but kind of yelling at him and giving it to him when he dropped a fly ball that should have been caught. Josiah Gray was in the wrong there, as well as Mackenzie Gore is for getting mad and throwing his glove and stuff like that. Having veteran presence like a Kyle Gibson or even a Lance Lynn, in those situations, that is kind of where they come into play here. Because the Nationals, they do have Trevor Williams, and he is valuable in that sense as well. You've kind of talked about, we've talked about a lot about how He's been a voice in that clubhouse that a lot of people listen to. He's demanded respect, and he's getting that respect. Patrick Corbin as well. But why not someone else? Why not someone else that can do all those things, but also help you win baseball games? Because that's kind of where the Nationals are at. That is the fine line that we're kind of tiptoeing as Nationals fans and as people who cover the team right now. They have to find that way in order to get Guys like a Corey Kluber maybe. And you may be thinking, why would you go after Corey Kluber after he just had a seven plus CRA with the Red Sox? Yeah, you're probably right. He's not all that great, but still, he kind of fits that role of someone who won't be that expensive, will be getting a one-year deal. Is he going to retire? I don't know at this moment in time. I truly don't. But Martin Perez, also someone who fits that role, and also someone like Lucas Giolito. But the thing that stands out with Kluber as well as Perez, postseason experience. Corey Kluber winning the two Cy Youngs with the Guardians back in the day or Cleveland, whatever you want to call them, when they were the Indians, I guess. But still, the Nationals, they're going to need to add at some point in time. It's just a matter of when and will will they do it. That's the ultimate question as far as we go right now. Thank you all for making Locked On Nationals. Your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe over on YouTube. Just search Locked On Nationals. And wherever you get your podcast, that is where you will find us. So make sure to hit that subscriber button. And if you have made it this far, I'll catch you on the flip side. Have a good one.